in Israel for a couple of weeks, a few weeks, on a study tour, which was so life transformational, and um, learned so many things and saw so many beautiful things there as well. Um, so one day I'll tell you about it. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I want to tell you about a, a guy named Brother Mac, Chinese brother, spent years in prison, and he told his story to an organization called Open Doors who promote the awareness of persecuted Christians. He said at first, talking about his time in prison, he said at first they would punch and kick me. There was a certain guard who slapped my face over a hundred times until his hand hurt. Then I said to him, praise the Lord, I will pray for your hand. The most painful experience was when they raised me with my hands turned backwards and using handcuffs, attached my hands to two bars on an iron gate. Then they moved the iron gate back and forth from left to right, pulling my whole torso. They felt, it felt as if my entire body would rip apart. The area where my hands were cuffed especially hurt. The iron from the handcuffs seemed to enter my very joints, preventing the blood from my palms from circulating normally. During this time, I experienced just how much the Lord loves me. Because he does love me, he calls me to suffer and to experience more of his love. He also makes me realize how minute and temporal people's suffering is compared to the future eternity with the Lord. This is God's teaching. He is teaching me how to walk the way of the cross. If I don't suffer... How can I learn to serve? My suffering is for my benefit. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word today, we pray that you would speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an understanding about sufferings, about joy, about Christ being magnified, about the gospel being preached. Lord, as we look into your word, we pray, Lord, that you would make us doers of your word and give us understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing on in our series here about living joyfully, and we're still in Philippians chapter 1, and Paul is writing about his imprisonment and his sufferings. He's in prison, and he's writing this letter. Uh, probably he's in Rome and writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and he's talking about his sufferings and about the advancement of the gospel, and he writes about joy throughout this book, right, even though he's going through sufferings. How about us? What does it really mean to live joyfully? That's the title of the series, Living Joyfully. What does it really mean to live joyfully? Is it just about everything going really well for us without any problems or difficulties, like no, no uh, hardships? You know, if our joy is based on our situations and circumstances, then it'll be a fleeting joy. It'll be a disappearing joy. But if our joy is dependent on Christ, or if it's Christ-centered then even in difficult and strenuous circumstances, we can have joy. Now, you probably thought maybe when you saw the title of the series, Living Joyfully, you thought, oh, this is going to be a good series about joy and, you know, it's going to make me feel good. I might have a different idea for you today. Because to live joyfully is to understand the gospel. And so the title of the message is Joy in the Gospel, but it very well could have been Joy in sufferings. Now, you might hear that and you think, that doesn't make any sense to me. Joy in sufferings? Who likes sufferings? 
If there's anything that you take away from this message, I'm going to tell you right now. That doesn't mean you get to sleep through the rest of it, but I'm going to tell you the main point right now, okay? Is that the Lord allows us to go through sufferings so that Christ and the gospel can be magnified in our lives. And that is a reason to rejoice. I'll say that again. The Lord allows us to go through sufferings so that Christ and the gospel can be magnified in our lives. And that is a reason to rejoice. Okay? Now, I have two main points for you. Right? Number one is found in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, that Paul faced persecution and sufferings for the gospel. Philippians 1 and verse 12 and 13 says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served for what? To advance the gospel. As a result, I have become, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's saying his sufferings and the things that he's going through has served to advance the gospel. Can we ask ourselves today, what suffering or persecution or trial have we gone through for the sake of the gospel? What difficulty or persecution or sufferings have we gone through to advance the gospel, to advance the proclamation of the kingdom of God? 2 Timothy chapter, two and verse, uh, chapter 3 and verse 12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live godly in a godly life in Christ Jesus. Anyone here like that? You want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? You already saw the rest. So you're not going to put up your hand. Will be persecuted. Tertullian, who was an a, a early church father in Carthage, North Africa, in the second century, he argued that persecution actually strengthens the church. And sometimes he's attributed to the saying, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so we see this aspect that Paul faced persecution and sufferings for the gospel, and it resulted in two things. Number one, the body of Christ was bold and confident to proclaim the gospel. The body of Christ, the church, or us as well, there's a boldness, there's a confidence that came upon that, the, the church there because Paul was going through sufferings. As they saw his pain, as they saw his sufferings, they realized He's going through all of that, and a boldness came upon them to say that, yes, we are going to do the same as well. Philippians 1 and verse 14 says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They became bold. They became confident. They said, we're going to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear. When the idea of going through sufferings is met, With the gift of faith, the result is courage, it's boldness, it's fearlessness to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the early church, the apostles were bold to declare the gospel even during times of persecution. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 40 and 41, it says they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So what do you think? The apostles said, okay, fine. You know, they're going to persecute us. They're going to flog us. So we're just going to do exactly what they're telling us to do? No. It says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because of what? They were counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of, for the name of Christ. How many of us will rejoice? See what they were rejoicing over? See what their joy was about? 
Their joy was because they thought, they said, we have been given this exquisite, amazing, awesome privilege to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And so they rejoiced. How many of us would like that exquisite, awesome privilege to suffer for Jesus? Maybe we're too comfortable in the way that we are. Maybe we're too comfortable in our pews. Maybe we're too comfortable in our houses. Maybe we're too comfortable in our own lives. Maybe we're too comfortable in our communities. Maybe we're too comfortable in our families. Maybe we're too comfortable in the church that we're in and we're not declaring boldly the name of Christ. And we're not willing to step out of our comfort zone. You know, in the Western world, we might not face what other people go through as the story that I read you at the beginning. But there are ways that our convictions are going to be challenged. There are ways even right now that our steadfastness to Christ and our devotion to the Lord are going to be challenged. There are times when we're going to be tempted to compromise. There are times when the gospel, we're going to be tempted to dilute the gospel. And the question is, will we take a stand? It seems hard and it seems difficult, it seems challenging, but the actual fact that all of these things, these persecutions, these sufferings, these are joy-producing experiences. And it might not make sense to our, to our mind or to, to the way that we think in this world, but all of these difficult things, they're joy-producing. You know, after Paul, Paul was in a place called Lystra and he was stoned and he was left for dead. But then he got up and they went to another city called Derby. And in Acts 14 and verse 22, it says they preached the gospel in that city, that city of Derby, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned where? To Lystra. Now, if it was one of us, we would say, well, if Lystra is that way, I'm going this way because they left me for dead over there. They stoned me. But Paul knew that in suffering and in persecution and in trials, that the name of Christ was magnified, that the gospel was proclaimed, that the word of God went forth. And so he said, well, if that's what it takes for the gospel to go forth, if that's what it takes for Christ to be exalted in my life, then yes, I will go through sufferings and I will rejoice in those sufferings. And that's why he wrote this letter in Philippians and he said, look, I'm going through sufferings. I'm in prison. But the, but the word of God is abounding. Christ is being proclaimed. The gospel is being preached. And I rejoice and I joy in that. It's so easy to get discouraged and downcast and sad when things don't go our way, when problems come to us. But then our joy is based on our situations and circumstances and not on Christ. The joy of the Lord is our Strength, it's the joy of knowing Jesus. I wonder, have we lost the joy in the gospel because we've lost the victory in suffering? Have we lost the joy in the gospel because we've lost the victory in suffering? I wonder, are we living a comfortable life void of sacrifice and radical commitment to Christ? I wonder, Have we become such a pleasure-seeking society that joy-filled suffering is alien to to the way we think? We have become such a society. We are looking for pleasure. And joy-filled suffering doesn't enter our mind. I'll read to you 
some of the believers in, in North Korea, the underground church in North Korea, they would recite these five principles along with the Lord's Prayer in their secret gatherings, right? And they would say, number one, our persecution and suffering are our... What? Joy and honor. Number two, we want to accept ridicule, scorn, and disadvantage with joy in Jesus' name. Number three, as Christians, we want to wipe others' tears away and comfort the suffering. Number four, we want to be ready to risk our life because of our love for our neighbor so that they also become Christians. Number five, we want to live our lives according to the standard set in God's word. Can we say this as well? Have we become a society that is so pleasure-seeking that joy-filled suffering is alien to the way we think and the way we decide and the way we do things? Not for the Apostle Paul. Not for the Apostle Peter. Not for much of what the early church had to go through. See, Paul rejoiced because Christ was preached and the gospel was advanced. Paul rejoiced, and this should be our rejoicing, when Christ is magnified in our lives, when Christ is exalted in our lives, and the gospel goes forth from our lives, then that brings rejoicing. Philippians 1 and verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. There, there were some people that were preaching Christ out of wrong intentions and wrong motives and trying to add affliction and suffering to Paul. But Paul said, it doesn't matter to me. If they're doing it with wrong intentions and motives and trying to make me suffer the more, it doesn't matter. If I have to suffer more for the sake of the gospel being preached, if I have to suffer more for the sake of Christ being magnified, if I have to suffer more so that the word of God can go forth, then all be it, let the sufferings come to me. Do we have that kind of radical commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to evangelism, to sharing the word of God with others? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. This is the, he's writing this letter to the, the church in Thessalonica, but now he's talking about the church in Philippi, which is the main letter that we're talking about, the book of Philippians. And he says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. So what did they do? We were treated so bad in Philippi that we just decided to pack our bags and go home. We were treated so bad in Philippi, we couldn't believe it. They didn't roll out the red carpet for us. They didn't take care of us. Oh, it was really bad. So we just said, forget it. It's not worth it. No. He says, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to do what? To tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. God is calling us. God is asking of us to declare his word, to declare his name. Let Christ be magnified among the nations. Let Christ be magnified here. Let Christ be magnified in Markham. Let Christ be magnified in Ontario. Let Christ be magnified in Canada. Let Christ be magnified among the nations of the earth. And let us do our part to evangelize, to, to, to spread forth the love of God and share the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and we can have eternal life with him. That's the truth that's been committed to us. What are the hindrances that we face in sharing the gospel? Are we bold? Are we courageous? 
Are we able to share God's word? God allows us to go through suffering so that we can enjoy magnifying Christ. God allows us to go through difficulties and trials so that we can enjoy magnifying Christ to others. Maybe we're shy. Maybe we're intimidated by others. Maybe we're lukewarm. Maybe we're comfortable in our situations. Maybe we're not moved when we see others that don't know the love of Jesus. You know, I think one reason why we are lacking in joy is because we are lacking in our response to the Great Commission. Would you agree with me? Is one reason why we're lacking in joy because we're lacking in our response to the Great Commission? Paul said, I'll suffer as long as Christ is magnified. I'll go through persecution as long as the gospel is declared. I'll be treated badly, but let the word of God go forth. I'll be stoned, but I'll all the more declare boldly that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think I told you the story before, but there was a lady that, you know, she would always have so many problems. And every Sunday after church, she would go to the pastor and say, I have this problem and that problem and this thing and that thing, and these people are treating me like that, and those people are treating me like this, and a whole boatload of problems. Finally, the pastor thought, can't be listening to all these problems every single Sunday. So the pastor took some, some gospel handouts, some tracts that talked about Jesus. And when this lady came up after the service with her boatload of problems, he said, here, take this. Go and tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Share the love of God. And she went and did that. And do you know what happened? One person found the love of Jesus. And when that happened, that totally changed her life. Because now she was concerned. I don't know about my problems, but I want to make sure that this person knows more about Jesus. i got to bring her to church. i got to make sure that she's growing. i got to make sure that she's taken care of. And her problems all of a sudden became such small things when she declared the word of God. Colossians 1 and verse 24 and 25. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Does this make any sense to you? Sometimes we just read this and we just keep going. That's Paul. That's Peter. You know, these guys, they were like just radical people. That's not for us. No, he says here, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become the servant, its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Can you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying, I'm re- I know this is not really what you wanted to hear when you thought, saw the series Living Joyfully, right? I know this is really not the topic you wanted to hear, thinking, oh yeah, living joyfully. How is God going to bless me? And how is God going to do this for me and that for me and this and that? No. But here he says, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you because when I suffer and Christ is magnified and the word of God goes forth and people know about Jesus, then I rejoice. Do you do that? Do I do that? Is there joy in my heart when Christ is magnified in the earth? Is there joy in my heart when the word of God goes forth and people come to know what Jesus has done for them? Is there joy and rejoicing in that experience? 
Do you remember the experience of coming to know Christ as your Savior? Do you remember the joy that it brought? Or do you know of an experience of you sharing the love of God with somebody else and they came to saving grace? Can I challenge you today? That this week, can you go and be bold and courageous? Regardless of what persecution may come, regardless of what people may say, regardless of what uh, people make, make fun of you, can you find one person to share the love of God with? Can you find one person to tell them that Jesus loves them? Can you find one person to magnify Christ to? Can you find one person to extend the word of God to? Maybe you're here today and you don't know about Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering, what is this type of joy? I just want to encourage you, give Jesus a try. Trust Jesus today. We'll have people here at the front after the service and you can come down and we can pray with you. But can we be challenged today? Let Christ be magnified in our lives so that the power of the gospel will be seen. Let Christ be magnified in our lives so that the power of the gospel can be seen throughout the world. And if it costs us sufferings, if it costs us persecution, if it costs us something, Paul says it doesn't matter because Christ is preached and I rejoice. Christ is preached, Christ is magnified, and I rejoice in that. That's amazing. 2 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. About what? About my weaknesses. Yeah, this is really not the verses you want to be reading, right? I will therefore boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that what? The power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, what do I do? I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because Christ is magnified in me. Christ's strength is magnified in me. Christ's love is magnified in me. Christ's joy is magnified in me. And others see that and say, hey, what is that that you have? Hey, what is, who is that in your life? Have we lost the joy in the gospel because we've lost the victory in suffering? We, we've, maybe we've lost that whole concept. Are we living such a comfortable life, void of sacrifice and radical commitment to Christ, that we don't experience that true joy He has for us? Have we become such a pleasure-seeking society that joy-filled suffering is alien to our thoughts? Are we just seeking after pleasure? Number two, second point. By life or death, the goal is for Christ to be glorified. By life or death. Okay? I'm going to talk a little bit about death here as well. And you say, oh, I don't like that topic of death. But what does Paul say here in Philippians 1? I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And here's a statement which you might have read before. What? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, these are one of those statements that just blow your mind away, right? 
Paul, why do you keep doing this to us? Right? Totally contrary to the way that we think. Totally contrary to the Western mindset. It's like these other things that we see in the Bible, like some of these other statements. He who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That makes no sense. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Like, where are these things coming from? They're totally contrary to the natural way of thought in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Okay, this is similar to what he was saying in Philippians. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. What Paul is saying is that if I'm living in this body, in this life, I live for the Lord. And if I have to die, I also will die for the Lord. But whether I live or whether I die, let Christ be magnified in my body. Whether I live or whether I die, let the gospel be preached. Whether I live or whether I die, let the good news go forth. Whether there's persecution or sufferings, whether there's good times or bad, let Christ be magnified. Whatever situation we find ourselves, as Christ is magnified, we are filled with joy. As Christ is magnified, as the word of God is proclaimed, as the gospel is proclaimed, we are filled with joy. So Paul, he's winning either way here, right? In life he wins, in death, he actually wins even better. In life he wins, right? And in death he wins even better. It's like winning the NBA championship or sweeping and winning the NBA championship, right? I don't know, sports fans here, I won't get into all that technicality here. Philippians 1 verse 25 says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. There's this joy that as we walk this life of faith, filled with pain and sufferings and persecutions, we know who is with us. Now, here Peter gets on the bandwagon, okay? We give so many verses, Paul is like just saying all these things, and we're wondering, Paul, like, what are you talking about? Paul, why are you saying these things? And then Peter comes along, and he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But what does he say? Lock yourself up in a room and have a pity party and moan and groan and wonder what's going on? No. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Rejoice that when we go through sufferings right now in this body, rejoice when we go through persecutions and difficulties here and trials in this body. Rejoice because there's a day coming when we're going to be overjoyed. What is that day? When his glory is revealed in its fullness. We sang that song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Everyone wants to go to heaven, right? Nobody's willing to die to get there, though. But Paul says, if I live, I live for the Lord and Christ is magnified in my body, and the gospel is declared. And if I die, then Christ is magnified in my death, 
and the gospel is still preached, and I rejoice. It's a strange type of joy, isn't it? Not the fuzzy little joy that we like to have. Oh, this is a strange type of joy. This is a joy in suffering. I'm not making this up. This is what Paul is saying here. And Peter here is jumping on the bandwagon and saying, yeah, Paul, this is what Paul was saying. Yes, definitely. Dear friends, don't think it's something strange when you go through a fiery trial. See, because Paul and Peter, they had an eternal perspective. So they could rejoice in the present, knowing that when his glory is revealed, there would be great joy. They knew this future joy that they would experience. A joy that we would experience in eternity. There's a pastor, his name is Paul Negrut. He, was a, he pastored the largest Baptist church in Europe, in, in Romania, during the time of communist Romania. And he went through a lot of persecution and sufferings as well. And uh, one day after a big, successful evangelistic crusade, he came home and found his wife and, and daughter weeping and crying. And his wife told him with tears that as the daughter was coming home from school, the, the Romanian secret police tried to capture her. And, and Paul said, I'll read you what he said. He said, that night I was in a great struggle. For the first time I was thinking to emigrate from Romania. I asked the Lord... Okay, now this, this next statement, it's like, if you just thought it was Paul and Peter back then, no, it's not just them. I asked the Lord, should I leave the blessing of suffering? Would that be your prayer? Would that be my prayer? I don't know if I'd be praying like that. But he said, should I leave the blessing of suffering, or should I endure to see my girl like that? He, he talked with his wife, and they prayed, and they came to a decision that they would stay. Two days later, they try to capture the girl again. A couple days later, they try to capture the wife. But every time, God protected them in a miraculous way. They went through sufferings and they went through persecution. They went through difficulties so that Christ can be magnified, so the gospel could be preached. And when when the communist Romania fell and all those things ended and everything, the word of God just expanded. Even during those times, the word of God was expanding. And he was the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church, a huge church there in Romania. And he became the chancellor of Emmanuel Baptist University where they would train and teach pastors and the word of God was going forth. They endured that suffering. They endured that, that weeping that went through the night because there was joy that was coming in the morning. They endured that weeping through the night because they had an expectancy for something in the future. And they knew that through their sufferings, through their persecution, that Christ would be magnified. That the gospel would go forth. You know, you know what can actually tear things apart? You know what can tear a church apart? Do you know what can tear a family apart? Do you know what can tear a marriage apart? Do you know what can tear lives apart? Sufferings. They can tear things totally apart. They can ruin things easily. When we go through sufferings, there's so many times that things just fall apart. But if it's not met with the expectation of future joy, sufferings or trials will tear us apart. But it can have the total opposite effect if we endure it joyfully. Sufferings can tear us apart. It can cause us to become bitter against God. It can cause us to become bitter at one another. 
But if we can endure it joyfully, it can have the total opposite effect, where Christ is magnified in my body, where Christ is magnified in my life, where Christ is magnified in my death, where the gospel is extended and preached, the good news of Jesus Christ goes forth. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4 says, not only so, but we also glory in our... Here's Paul going, he's going at it again. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. This hope for future joy with Christ. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Paul says here, we glory in sufferings. I'll read you a quote by Timothy Keller. He said, speaking about ultimate joy and satisfaction in Christ, he said this, things like sex, power, money, and success, as well as favorable circumstances, act like spiritual sugar. Anyone like sugar? Right? Act like spiritual sugar. Christians who have these spiritual candies may say, Sure, I believe in God, and I know I'm going to heaven. But they're actually basing their day-to-day joy on favorable circumstances. When the circumstances change, change, it drives us to God. Because when the sugar disappears, when the candy gets taken away, we're forced to pursue the feast that our souls really crave. We'll hunger for the spiritual nutrients we really need. I wonder, are we surviving just on that spiritual sugar? Are we surviving just on that spiritual candy? Oh, I got a blessing. Ah, it tastes so nice. Right? But if we go through sufferings and persecutions so that Christ can be magnified in us, Christ can be lifted up in the earth. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If Christ is proclaimed, if Christ is preached, if the gospel goes forth, can we rejoice in that? If Christ is proclaimed throughout all the nations, if Christ is proclaimed here in Markham, we just finished an Alpha Alpha course and we hope to start one up again in the fall. Can I challenge you to bring one person in the fall? Can I challenge you to preach the gospel? Can I challenge you to share the good news? Can I challenge you to say, let Christ be magnified in my body? In my life, let Christ be magnified. Let others see the victory of Christ in me, whether in good times or bad times. Let Christ be magnified. Let the word of God go forth and I'll rejoice. Because people are coming to saving grace in Jesus Christ. In death, there's an expectation of future joy. Paul said, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He wanted to go. He wanted to be with the Lord. He wanted to experience that life after. There was an expectation. He was able to rejoice in this life because of an expectation of future joy. First Peter 4 and verse 19 says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Trust in God. Regardless of what we go through, the pains, the difficulties, the sufferings, just trust in God. Commit our lives to that faithful creator and continue to do good. Continue to let Christ be magnified in our body. Continue to proclaim the word of God. 
continue in that. There's a story of a, another, another uh, pastor in Romania. His name is Joseph Sion. And um, he counted the cost to serve the Lord. And he knew the possibility was of facing death was inevitable. And one day he was called into the headquarters of this security force. And they came and they said, the choice is easy. Deny Jesus or die. And in that moment, everything that he feared was coming to him. But suddenly, he said, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he said, and I quote, If you kill me today, you will do me a great favor. All my sermons that were recorded will be in great demand because I will be a martyr for Christ. You will help me greatly to share my messages. You will also help me to go to my Lord quickly. The officer dropped the gun, said, You crazy Christians. Philippians 3 and verse 8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything, all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. List all the things on one side that bring you pleasure, that bring you happiness, health, spouse, home, job, Food, sports, family, friends, all these other things on this one side. And then on the other side, put Christ. And if Christ is to be magnified in our death, then this column has to outweigh this column. If Christ is to be magnified in our death, then this column must outweigh this column. So when you look at life and death, You can say with the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ, but to die, it's gain. It's something even better. I know that Christ is glorified in our lives. Christ is magnified in our death. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the organization YWAM. It's youth with a a mission. They're all over the world doing doing mission work. And uh, they sent an email to, to John Piper asking for prayer. This was their email. He said, 150 men armed with machetes surrounded the premises occupied by the YWAM team in India. The mob had been incited by other religious groups in an effort to chase them off. The mob pressed in, some, in, someone, pressed in someone in a key moment. As the mob pressed in, sorry, someone in a key moment spoke up to, on the team's behalf, and they decided to give them 30 days to leave. The team feels they should not leave, and that their ministry work in the city is at stake. Much fruit has been seen in the previously unreached region, and there is great potential for more. In the past, when violence has broken out between rival religious groups, people have lost their lives. Please pray for them to have wisdom. What would you do? What would I do? All right, let's pray for wisdom. Lord, what should we do in this situation? Get them out of there! Why are you hanging around? All these guys with machetes, they're going to kill you. It's happened before, it's going to happen again. But what did they say? No. Let Christ be magnified. Let the gospel be proclaimed. Let the good news go forth to the nations. Let the love of Jesus be seen in us. Let Christ be magnified in my body. Let Christ be magnified in my life. Let Christ be magnified in my death. Do we want to live joyfully? Right? Living joyfully, right? 
That's what the title of the series is. Living joyfully. Do we want to live joyfully? The world can't take this type of joy away. People can't take this type of joy away. Circumstances and situations can't take this type of joy away. Rejoice in Christ being magnified in us and the gospel being proclaimed. And that joy is an amazing joy. You know, we say, we we talk about the joy of the Lord. What is that? You know, there is rejoicing in heaven when even one person comes to saving grace in Jesus Christ. Imagine how that feels, that heaven is rejoicing. Imagine how God feels when the Lord feels that heaven is rejoicing. Can we rejoice at the same time? That Christ is magnified. The gospel goes forth. People come to save in grace. They know Jesus as their Savior. Does that bring joy to us? We can lay down our sufferings. We can lay down our pain and our hurts and the persecutions and endure with joy. Singers and musicians can come. What is the Lord challenging us today? This message is for me. Will Christ be magnified in our lives? Will the gospel go forth through us? In the midst of persecution and sufferings, will Jesus be exalted? Paul said, I rejoice in that fact. I joy and rejoice. Whether by life or by death, let Christ be magnified in our lives.